We're getting into a brand new sermon series today. And this sermon series is different than any sermon series I've ever preached. This sermon series is being in development for eight years. This is the most time-oriented study I have done in anything. This is a significant portion of what makes Promise Church unique. And so as we talk about what God is doing and we talk about we talk about all of this, we we have to see that God is working to disciple us. God is working to disciple us. He is working to to change us. And we're going to get into all of that in this series. So there's a couple of things that I note about when I was praying about this series and how to put all of this information together. I recognize that this is not going to be um, an exegetical sermon series. We just came out of an exegetical sermon series in the book of James. We're going to go back into one. We're going to finish off Luke at the end of this sermon series. But this is not an exegetical sermon series. This is built on eight years of research, eight years of learning discipleship and learning what it means and learning how God disciples his body. This is so important because as a church, our calling is to lead towards discipleship, is to help understand it. And, uh, and today, in, in today's message, we're going to introduce the ideas, and we're going to introduce some things, we're going to push forward, um, but we're also going to, we're going to challenge some of the assumptions around discipleship that have been, that have been made for generations as well. And uh, yeah, so I tread carefully in this. I tread carefully because by no means do I want to discredit or disavow anything that's been said before. It's not my intent to, to criticize. It is my intent to look at a biblical pattern that says this is what God does. And this is how we see it played out in our lives. And uh, I did spend my, the focus of my master's degree was actually studying this topic. And so I, I come at it with a lot of humility. I come at it with a lot of like, okay, let's see if we could step towards something that God is... God has been using for centuries, and, and what we're trying to do is articulate it. And so, let me pray. Those are my introductory comments. I know it's not gripping. There was no good hook. There's nothing that says, oh, you should listen. Um, but those are my introductory comments, so let me pray. God, as we come into your presence humbly, we ask you to guide us because you are the guide. Holy Spirit, we rely so heavily on your work that we expect you to come and speak and enlighten and illuminate the, the, the word and illuminate what you've been doing through the centuries. And God, we pray that you would be, that you would be exalted and glorified in everything this church does and in this sermon series. And I pray that you would, that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So Promise Church has a logo. And her logo looks something like this, except for Devin makes it look better. And uh, thank God for Devin, <laughs> honestly. 
Um, this is our logo. And you'll see that it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, wow, that's terrible. Okay, this is almost our logo. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you'll see that it's three circles, and you'll hear that we have three different values. We have God, we have community, wow, there's two M's, and then we have growth. And so our, our discipleship circle actually starts here. And so we see this community worship study, which is where we, where we experience a lot of growth, partnering with God. We see this focus right here going around in this circle. And I actually didn't know that slide was there. So cool. So I totally made... Good job, Devin. Um, <laughs> it's good, eh? So, so what we see here is, is God is involved in everything we do as a church. And, and what we're going to do is we're actually going to take that and we're going to break it into five. Because there's actually a couple of breaks here. And we're going we're gonna to talk about how God disciples his people. And what we have here is we have a promise. Church name, eh? Fancy. God starts with a promise. We're going to get into that next week. God starts with a promise. He calls us into his promises and leads us into growth. Then we have trust. We choose to trust God's promises. This is something that, that's important. This is part of our process. We go into follow, where God transforms our lives as we follow him. We move into question. We question. It's a desire to explore more about God and even expressing doubts about what he's doing. And that's normal and healthy. We question. Very important. And mission, we step into fulfilling the promises that God has for us, expecting that he will lead us into new promises. And it, and it cycles, and we finish with promise. So this is, a, this is a, a piece that's been working on. The promise of God is always good. To trust in God is to take a risk. To follow God is to be challenged. And to question God is to explore in uncertainty. The mission of God is fulfilling, and the promise of God is always good. And we're going to take these verses, these aren't scriptural verses, these are observational verses. We're going to take these verses over the next few weeks, and we're going to, break, we're going to step into them. And so we're going to understand what we mean by this and how we're, to under, how we're to lead others through it. Because this is how we can understand what's going on in somebody else's lives. Life, somebody else's is singular. Somebody else's life. So the first thing I want to acknowledge about discipleship is change takes time. Discipleship is a process of change, and it always takes time. In Proverbs 16:9, it says, "The heart of a man plans his way." So true. Heart of a man totally plans the way. He totally knows where he's going all the time, right? I know where I'm going all the time. Never get lost. I've always got my way planned. I know exactly. I'm driving in circles, but I know exactly where I'm going. Don't. Yeah, and as I get older, that actually happens more. 
I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a thing for everybody else, but that happens more. That I know where I'm going. The heart of a man plans his way, but thankfully, the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of a man says, This is where this is where I'm going. This is the direction of my heart. This is what I'm going to do to get there. Check one, check two, check three. But God establishes the steps of a man and a woman. I'm not trying to just be, you know, gender exclusive. But the, the, God establishes our steps. And he says, he says, you thought that it was going to go one, two, three, four. But it's not necessarily going one, two, three, four. Follow me follow my lead. So God directs the development of his children, and it's with that thesis that we build this whole discipleship process. That's a thesis statement for us where we say God has to be the one directing this. If we're going to be changed into the image of God, if God is doing something in our life and in this world, then it's got to be God who is the one who is directing it, and not me, and not you, and not an elder in the church, not anybody else. It's God who is directing the development of his children, and that's so important. Change takes so much time. I've spent a lot of my time, my life, hanging around teenagers. I love teenagers. They are exciting. They are are vibrant. They are passionate. And they change on a dime. We, they, they change, on, anybody experienced that with a teenager in their house? Change on a dime. So I have conversations, spiritual conversations with teenagers. This is what they sound like. Everything just changed. Seriously, my whole life, it either goes one way or the other. My whole life is ruined. It's awful. Like nothing is holding together. It, it, it's oh, terrible. Or it goes the other way. Oh my gosh, everything just changed. Like last week I was like this and now I am just like this. And, and I'm gonna do it this way and, and it's, all, it's better. It's all better. And you're just like, yo, nothing has changed at all. Nothing changed. You look the same, you sound the same, you talk the same. Nothing's changed yet because change takes time. It actually does. And some of us haven't changed since we were 18. Oh, wait, that's me. Never mind. <laughs> so so we, it takes time. And God develops the, God directs the development of his children, and we have to recognize that. I was in, I was in my mentor's office. His name is Brent Diaz. Uh, when I was, he was actually a person that helped me understand the call that God has on my life. And he put an idea in my heart and in my mind that I was going to go start a community youth group. No church kids, no nothing. I'm going to go door to door and start a youth group. And uh, he allowed it. He facilitated it. Um, but he said, go out and do it. And I started meeting these kids, these kids that are still in my life t- today. They're, this is 20 years ago. I started going out and meeting these kids, and I, and I started a gym program. And these kids, some of them, their lives were train wrecks. They were just train wrecks. And I, I it's just what it is. It's like, okay. And, and I wanted to see them changed. I wanted to see their hearts change, their lives change, their minds change. I wanted to see God do something in their life. And Brent sat me down in his office and he said, Rob, 
I need you to understand something. I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, if God is in something, it's going to take time. And it's going to take longer than you want. And he's like, I know, you grew up Pentecostal and you expect instantaneous everything because, you know, Holy Spirit just comes and pfft, everything's fixed in your life. And it's, it's like, he's like, no, if God is in it, it's going to take time. It's going to go through the process. And you're just going to have to be faithful. And I literally played games with those, with those youth in my youth group. And the youth group grew from 0 to 8 to 23 to 62 to four different youth groups in town. And it kept on growing and God kept on doing stuff. And I wanted to see the change happen. And, and, and in my third year of doing it, some new market type gang stuff started showing up. And a kid started coming to, started coming to, uh, to, to the youth group, it was called Refuge at the time. He started coming to Refuge, making threats. One day he, he was carrying a wrench that he was gonna use as a weapon. I sent him home. Two weeks later he came back, he had a knife, I sent him home. A couple weeks later, he's like, I've got a gun. We call the police. Terrible situation where it's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is not the type of change I wanted to see. It's not the type of change I was going for. And, and uh, what happened with that situation was the church that I was representing was actually called to step into that community and we started actually ministering to parents Something that three years of building a youth group where I'm seeing little change opens up a door for us to start to minister to, to parents. And people start to come to church through this ministry to parents. And I'm like, okay, if God's in it, it takes time. But how much more than just a system or just a program? That God takes the careful time to plan our steps and to develop us. It's God who leads us and God who develops us and God who, the, the theological word is, sanctifies us. He's the one that does the work. And how much more does God have patience to do it? God directs the development of his children. And that's called discipleship. So, discipleship is something that's commanded by Jesus in Matthew, right before he leaves the, the Great Commission. There was a Barna study that just came out. Barna is a Christian researcher, does actual, like, like real uh, studies that have proper stats and everything. Barna study just came out in Canada. 47% of Christians can't identify the Great Commission. 47% of Christians can't identify the Great Commission. So this is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, 
I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is wonderful. It's clear, it's straightforward. Go make disciples. Go do it. Make disciples, wonderful, straightforward. And, and the church has gone through its time where it's like, okay, what does that mean? And there's been places of confusion. What do we mean by go and make disciples? What, what are we talking about here when we're saying, okay, so go make disciples? One of the, one of the pieces of confusion has, has existed has been the distinction between discipleship and evangelism. There's, there's a significant dis- distinction between discipleship and evangelism. And the reason this confusion comes into the, the Great Commission is because it says, go and make disciples, but then it describes conversion, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it describes teaching. And so what we've done is we've said, oh, we need to go into all the nations and make disciples. And so we've spent a lot of energy, church history, we spent a lot of energy over the past 150 years in what's called the evangelical movement. Makes sense? A response to fundamentalism. Fundamentalism said, these are the rules, and this is the way you live. And the evangelical movement were people who said, no, the, the Great Commission is about evangelism. That's what it's about. So, so what's happened is a, is a piece of confusions come into our church culture where we've said, what is, a, what is the Great Commission about? Well, the Great Commission is about evangelizing. That's what it's supposed to be about. Go and make disciples. Like brand new ones, start them off. And, and, and so we get this confusion where we're like, it's discipleship or evangelism? So discipleship is walking with people as God directs their development. Discipleship is walking with people as God, active noun, God directs their development. And that's so important for us to, to learn and understand. Evangelism is telling people the good news of Jesus. So that's our job as a Christian. We're often, you know, we, we see, those are our jobs, discipleship and evangelism. We see that telling people the good news of Jesus, you know, this is what it is. We've got to communicate the good news of Jesus, and we do. That's called evangelism. And we're statistically terrible at it. <laughs> Just cross the board, cross Canada, we are statistically terrible at it. We, we don't really understand how to tell people about Jesus, and part of it has to, is going to come out in this sermon series, why we don't, under, why we don't know how to approach it, why, what's going on here, why are we struggling with that? And so discipleship is walking with people as God directs their development. Evangelism is telling people the good news of Jesus. I have a, uh, in, in my youth ministry, I, I asked kids, I said, if, what's, the, what's the purpose of Christianity? What's the purpose? And one of, our, one of the kids, this is years ago, the, the person is now in their mid-20s, I think. They're like, well, the purpose of Christianity is to tell other people about Jesus. I'm like, that's it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's it. Okay. Well, why? <laughs> why are we telling other people about Jesus? What's so good about a guy 2,000 years ago dying on a cross? 
What is good about that? How does that even connect? Great. We tell people about Jesus and they go, huh? What is, what is it attached to? Because if I just tell people about Jesus and it doesn't get attached to a hope, if it doesn't get atta- attached to life transformation, then what? Then what? And so, so I realized that some of our views, teenagers' views, back when I was a, a youth pastor, it's, it was really about, we tell people about Jesus so that they could tell people about Jesus. And I get involved in a multi-level marketing thing so that other people can get involved in a multi-level marketing thing. <laughs> and by law, we have to have some type of product, so we'll make up a product. And then if you tell your friends, then they tell five others, and then we'll have like 7,000 people in our multi-level marketing program, and I'm sorry, but I've been in too many Christian conversations where that's the math that runs the church. And it's not attached to real discipleship. It's just attached to you want more butts in the seats and more dollars in the bank. And this is not what God has called Promise Church to do. God has called Promise Church to be a church that disciples, which is walking with people as God directs their development. We walk with people. We create community that is God-centered, that focuses so much on the work of Jesus Christ, that talks about what Holy Spirit is doing. We live in that, and we say, let's walk together as God develops you. Because it's in that transformation, it's in that journey together that we experience the presence and the promises of God and we walk through it together and we say this is the purpose of of Christianity. It's a bunch of people who rely, who rely on the love of God and who want to walk with others in that love. And it changes us. Has anybody been changed by the love of God? Has anybody being changed by the love of God. Exactly. That's what changes us. God is working in us and changes us. So if I read John 14, 2, about discipleship, it says, it says, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. When we allow God to disciple us, we start to look more like Jesus. And Jesus says, you're going to do greater works than he he did. You're going to be a voice in the world. You're going to be a light, a city on a hill. You're going to carry my image. We are image bearers of God in our world. And we carry that image. And we say, this is what Jesus looks like. Now, how many people don't do that perfectly? I don't do that perfectly. But we, as a community, we foreshadow what it looks like. 
We take those moments and we say it's right here. This is what it looks like right here in this moment when we gathered together, when we did something out of love, when we were transformed as a community inside of Bradford, in our neighborhoods, on our streets. We're transformed as a community and we look different and we are different because God is directing the steps and the growth of his children. God's doing it. This is a reorienting purpose statement. Christians are to be transformed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ. There's the telos, the end goal. Christians are to be transformed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ. Jesus said, you will do greater works than I do. You're, you're working on that road of imitation. And as we do that, it all of a sudden opens up. And it's like, it's, it's right there. We start to live and breathe as Jesus lived and breathed. This is the heart of the gospel. God did not... God did not rescue me to leave me the way that I was. God has rescued me to change me and to allow his Holy Spirit to do healing work inside this world and inside the communities and to say, this is where we're going. And the beautiful piece about it, guys, the peace that comes out of it is that God directs it. One of the struggles for discipleship has been over the years, the direction, and I'm getting ahead of myself, I need to, oh, I'm not. Historically, the church has helped and hindered the development of his children. The church has really helped by having a place of community. The church has helped by having a place of community, by providing places where we can study the Bible, and by welcoming the presence of God on Sunday mornings in worship. The church has been a significant help along the way of, of seeing God develop, direct the development of his children. And it's a beautiful thing to see the church. This is actually where the church is strong. The church in North America is strong at these things. We do this well. We have our communities, we gather, we volunteer, we worship Jesus, we study the Bible, we're right into it. Thank God that he has preserved the church. Amen? Thank God he has preserved the church. That is his work. The church has historically gotten in the way and hindered the making of disciples by turning it into a linear process of knowledge acquisition. This is what I learned when I opened my books and I studied. This is what I understood and I said, wait a second. The purpose of discipleship, I read the books and I've read lots of books on discipleship. And the purpose of these books is to take you from step one into step two, into step three. So we have this idea that, that it's knowledge acquisition. Knowing about God is different than knowing God. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, the second part of it says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowing about God is different than knowing God. And God calls us to know him experientially. Know me. 
be known by me. In the Old Testament, the, the word know is about as nuanced as our word love. So our word love means a whole bunch of different things because I love my pizza and I love my wife. Those are very different things. That's a nuanced word. The word know is very nuanced because in the word know has the connotations of I know about, I have experienced, I know intimately, and I know sexually. It has all of those connotations in it. And so God is calling us to know him, and he's taking it in the most intimate forms where he wants us to know him and not just know about him. And so the church has sometimes hindered it by making it a, a knowledge acquisition process. You know what's really interesting is I was at TDCH in a, in a uh, pastor's breakfast, and they put a panel of teenagers on the, on the stage and as I listened to the teenagers, I heard the teenagers say, you're not answering questions that I have anything. I don't have these questions. You are literally not talking to me. You're throwing out these weird, strange ideas. And you're saying, here, this is it. And, 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 the, and the teenagers were asked, what do, we, what do you need? They were like, we need people to walk with. We need authentic people to walk beside, who can handle the questions, who can live in the moment, who can understand what God is and who God is. That's what they're asking for, and that's what I believe we're asking for, is a people who can actually gather together, who can say, God, what do I know about you? What have I experienced about you? What have others experienced about you? What does the Bible talk about experience? of you, which is why I've called this entire sermon series Experiential Discipleship. Guys, it's based on testimony. It's based on the story that God has given you. So if I take a look at, um, if, if I take a look at this whole piece of knowledge, knowledge, we under, as humans, we draw from experiences in order to inform our abstract knowledge. We draw from experiences to inform abstract knowledge. What we do at the church is oftentimes we teach abstract knowledge and say that must now conform to your experiences. And God is developing something that's different. God is saying, here's my experience. You're going to experience my promise to you. And the promise of God is always good. And to trust in God is always to risk. You're going to experience that. You're going to experience that, that to follow God is always to be challenged. <laughs> and you experience it. And now as you experience these things, they move into the abstract knowledge, knowledge acquisition. You experience this and it pulls you into a new area. And so it's so important. Discipleship starts with experience. This, is the, this, this next slide is the view of what churches have done um, with, uh, with the knowledge acquisition. So if we want to show the catalytic spiritual practices, we got a one sec, okay. Um, so what's happened in our linear discipleship processes is we've said somebody is close to Christ or somebody is not close to Christ, it's, it's gone. Um, it, it's like they're, they might be searching. They might be seeking for God. Or then, then they, they move from seeking to they're exploring Christianity. And then they move from exploring Christianity to, to they, they, they're Christ followers. 
And then they move from Christ followers and they move up the scale to, to they are Christ-centered. And so what's, what's happening in these is, is we are distancing ourselves even in our pictographs. We are distancing ourselves from the people who don't know Christ. This is what's happening. When I am close, when I am Christ-centered, I am the farthest away from somebody that doesn't know God. This is not the image that God has. This is not that I'm supposed to be so, so inaccessible and high and mighty that nobody can understand me. This isn't what God has designed. And so what, what God has, has done in, in this church is God saying, look, your experience is cyclical. We know God because God is revealing himself. And so around this cycle, I actually had this graph up here for another reason and I completely missed that note. It's kind of interesting. Actually, I'll, I'll just do it now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in. Pardon me, this is a little segue, or a little uh, step back. But when I was talking about the purpose of, of Christianity, this is something that uh, happened to me as a teen. Here's a nice gate. It's a nice gate. I don't know how to draw gates. Kylie, help me draw a gate. Um, and so here's our gate. And, and here's the non-Christian world. And then here's the Christian world. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, where he says, I am, I am the gate. Anybody that enters by me will be let in. Anybody who comes in over the wall, they'll be kicked out. They're thieves and robbers and all that other stuff, right? Let's just combine John 14 and Luke. That's good, right? Always good to do that. Our focus on evangelism as discipleship has done this. Oh, yeah, you're a non-Christian. You need to come to Jesus. Oh, good, you came to Jesus. I'm done with you now. Oh, good, you came to Jesus too. And you came to Jesus and you came to Jesus and you came to Jesus. And then... After generations of doing this, we have a whole bunch of Christians stuck at the gate saying, why am I here? So what's going on here? And God's calling us to move into, this is so terrible, move down. Move down. <laughs> it's supposed to be the other way around. You're supposed to be able to say further up and further in. But no, I'm not C.S. Lewis. So <laughs> God's calling us to move into a greater expl explanation or exploration of Jesus. And he's not, it's not just about, oh, I come to Jesus and I'm done. No, it's about a full life transformation. And that happens through this wonderful peace where I experience the promise of God. And it's always good. When I trust in him, I feel risk. Has anybody ever trusted in God and they feel risk? We're talking about this next week. Yeah, yeah, I trust in God, it's risky. But I trust him and I'm following him. Thank God that he leads us. Thank God he leads us. But sometimes it gets confusing. And I'm like, God, are you sure this is you? Are you sure this is gonna work out? Has anybody ever questioned God in your life? Guys, Victor Shepard, one of my professors, has said an unquestioned faith is an immature faith. I hope we question God because he's big enough to handle it. 
and he leads us into his mission. Guys, this is not to say that the scripture is unimportant. The scripture is a testimony of God, and once he leads us in his mission, we experience the promise of God. The same experience I have when I experience the promise of God is the same experience that somebody who doesn't know Jesus has. So I'm no no longer separated. I'm no longer separated from the person that I have nothing in common with them. I'm actually united with the person because I'm experiencing the promises of God that are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord is new every morning. I experience the promises of God and it's constantly good and it calls me to trust. I'm experiencing that tension. So as we talk about our experiences, guys, we disciple. We partner with God. It is so important that you guys are aware, that we are aware, that our language is aware of the promises of God and what he's doing because we need to speak about it. We need to open our mouths and say, this is what God's doing in my life right now. I have time for like two questions. I know we've got 10. (laughs) We've got like 10 or 12. They've been coming in the whole service. I've seen people typing. But uh, if we could just pick like one or two of them and we'll push the other ones to the forum. How often do we go through the process? Is this the process of life or many processes within our life or both? Yeah, this is good. This is good. So this is, this is the experience. My first introduction to God's promise, wonderful. It, it calls me to trust him. I'm now following, I'm following him and I'm learning what it looks like. I don't know how to count though. Anybody see that I put a four there? I'm following him and I'm learning what it looks like and then, and then here I am, I question. I'm like, ah, oh, I have a crisis of faith. We're getting through it. Wow, I understand God's mission. He's so much greater, but wow, that means so much more. And so, whoa, God's promise is way bigger than I thought. Uh Uh-oh, that's way riskier than I was hoping for. I still can't count. (laughs) And so, so now it's way riskier. So it happens again and again and again. And my testimony and your testimony can be built on this cycle. Guys, at this point in my life, I understood the promise, and this is what it was. Here's where I trusted God. That's what it felt like. Here's where I followed him, and it led me into a place that I was so confused, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. Got through the questioning, and God went, wow, I'm way bigger than you ever thought. Next question. If you really believe who God is, well, if, if you really believe God is who he is, why is there risk in trusting him? Because I don't really believe it. Do you? right? Let's be honest. My faith grows. The blind man looked at Jesus and said, Lord, give me sight. And Jesus said, do you believe? He goes, help me when I don't believe. If I really believed him, yeah, of course, I would have jumped out of that boat every time. But only Peter jumped out of the boat. One more. So how do you balance the organic growth of a relationship with the intention of discipleship and evangelism? First, you trust God. The process of discipleship is God directing his children. It's God directing. And so I balance it because I'm authentic and I tell my story and I invite them into the story. Guys, it's an invitation into the story of the revelation of God. Do you want to discover more about God? 
Do you want to learn what he's doing? Do you want to learn who he is, who he's been over the years? We've been recording his history for 4,000 years. You want to learn who he is? We can learn about God. And, and, and I can tell you through my experiences, this is how God has met with me and how God has challenged me and how God grows me. And I'm changed in the presence of an almighty God. Oh God, if we were so true, increase our faith. God, increase our faith. We're desperate for it. You are more than a knowledge. You are more than an ideology that we pursue. You are so true and real. And God, increase our faith. Jesus, I pray that you would be here in this church as we walk through the experience of discipleship. Over the next three weeks, we're going to unpack all of these stages. As we walk through this, God, I pray that it would be so Christ-centered that our testimonies would rise as, as praise and worship, that we would hear again and again stories of how great you are, and we would sing how great is our God with ideas and pictures of things that you've done in our lives and not with, a, not with an idea that's so abstract, but, but a reality, a concrete piece that says, my God is great, look at what he did. Oh, God, increase our faith. And God, I pray for every congregation member. I pray that you would, that you would help us walk through these organic relationships, that we would listen and talk and just marvel at what you do because you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.